You've seen those movies where they say, make my day, or I'm your worst nightmare. Well, listen to this one. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Ha! You didn't know I'm gonna say that, did you? Your move, creep. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now, in this very room. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Huh? Are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Film Feast podcast. I am your host, Matt Bledsoe, and this week we are talking about Daredevil from 2003. Uh, to help me talk about it, I'm joined by a first-time guest of this show, and I'm very excited to have him here. Uh, he's the host of the fantastic We Love Dad Movies podcast. Uh, it's Ewan Patterson. Ewan, how are you? Hey, bring me a life. <laughs> Wake me I'm up inside. Not going you know? to wear out those references at all. <laughs> I've got Evanescence references for days. Don't you worry. I'll just <laughs> be doing all of them. Uh, yes. Um, so excited to have you here. Talk about this uh, unique movie. From Cultural touchstone. <laughs> Cultural touchstone. <laughs> Maybe. It might be. We'll find out when the episode comes out. But uh, <laughs> but yes. Um you and I, uh, I'm so glad you're here on this show. You and I did an episode on your show, uh, On The Rock, which uh, I had a great time talking to you about that movie. And it was a lot of fun. People seem to really enjoy it. Um, so I'm glad you have it on Film Feast now. Um, so I, first time here. I mean, people probably know you on Twitter and you're very friendly to everybody. But if you want to tell people a little bit about your podcast, just kind of introduce people to that. Yeah, yeah, totally. So I run a podcast called We Love Dad Movies. I set it up back in 2022. Um, basically, I had the idea in my pod of that podcast for a while because as a film person, like most of my taste has been informed by both my parents, so my mum and my dad. Um, but my dad mostly, and I really kind of latched onto that dad movie term that people were like coining a few years back because it just kind of every single movie they listed, it was like, oh. I love that movie. And I should, you know, <laughs> prefix all this now by saying that the podcast operates with a very broad definition <laughs> of what a dad movie is. Um, it tends to just be an excuse to talk about movies. I like, but most of the time it's it's tapping into those films that either myself or a guest kind of has maybe a little bit of an emotional attachment to as well, as well as making new discoveries. Um, and it's really as well partially like a tribute to my late father who passed away uh, in 2021. Uh, and originally I wanted to do the podcast with him because he always had like, he kind of like, I always enjoyed talking film with him. And like when I was a early teenager, he basically gave me like a film, <laughs> basically a film education. Like, I was like watching movies late at night on a Friday or, or a Saturday, um, you know, lots of classic action, lots of Arnie, lots of, lots of Sly, lots of 90s Harrison Ford. Um, and yeah, I always loved hearing his thoughts on the film and he never really wrote anything he never really like um you know never really considered himself a, a great talker about movies um which is why I was so keen I was like oh we could do this together it'd be a fun thing but unfortunately you know life had other plans that didn't happen so now I'm doing this and it's not like it, it's just it's a nice way of keeping 
that part part of that memory alive as well. Um, so whenever I do these little podcasty chats, it's like, oh, I'm 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 sharing a thing that my dad gave me, um, which is which I very much enjoy. And you know, as someone who is involved in quote unquote content <laughs> creation, which I hate, <laughs> I hate that phrase so yeah, much. Yeah. <laughs> anyone who's familiar with my work at like what culture will know that it's a lot of listy stuff, uh, and not gonna knock down the list format. You know, the list format has has its benefits. I feel like whatever list I write personally, I always kind of approach it with an essay vibe and make sure there's a lot of authority and detail in there. But it can feel quite restrictive. And this podcast and the patron, and I've been neglecting the patron writing side of things for a while, just frustrating. But um, it's a great, it's a great excuse to express more of my personality and be like, well, this is what I bring to the table apart from being vague list man. You know, these are the movies that I love the most. Here's my background as a dude who's you know really super interested in history and you know likes to approach them from an academic background so it's basically just an eclectic mix of vibes you know a lot of fun humor but also some you know we we, we make some we make some good points <laughs> <laughs> i i would say so that was also lovely set up for your podcast i the stuff about your dad is really nice i i can relate to that a little bit so um that's fantastic i i feel bad i didn't mention you uh, your what culture work because uh, funny <laughs> kind of i should mention that or not but but yeah i it's i i do love the list format but it is very usually it's like very quick. Like I think all the list videos are probably like what, 10, 20 minutes at the most. And like, yeah. you got to go really quickly. Um, but it is funny. I mean, I can do in this podcast, we've ever done like a top 10 list of the year or top 10 discoveries. The top people love a top 10 list. Like those they are by really far do. the most popular episodes. Uh, they love a list. I don't know. I, but at least we get to talk about them more in a podcast. Like you can expand upon your choice. Totally. Way more, like, the what culture audience, you know, the people, the people who end up watching what culture videos will probably be interested in like something very broad. Whereas, you know, for me, I would love to write nothing more than a big essay about like Lee Van Cleef being a better <laughs> hero actor than than a you know a villain. But the the audience, you know, it, we operate. It's so dumb because those films are obviously so classic and enduring. But in terms of the people who I feel like are watching YouTube the most, obviously there is an audience there, and I would love to do that. I think personally speaking i would maybe like to do more of a personal youtube channel thing as well and like maybe make those video essay things which i have had some small conversations about which is exciting um but yeah like it's just it's just nice i would i feel like hopefully if, if the podcast is doing its job it's being like a nice place for people to come hang out and listen to people goof around and occasionally make an insightful comment and also you know maybe get to know me a little bit better and like see the movies that i really enjoy and making sure that people fully understand what I'm all about, which I think, you know, sometimes on YouTube that doesn't always come through. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. I understand. So, uh, yeah. And when I saw your podcast, up, I was like, oh, this feels like a, like a brother podcast of this show because <laughs> we covered, I think quite a few of the same movies or I mean, movies I would cover or have covered. And I mean, we even have, I don't know if you noticed the banner on our Twitter page for film feast is like the dad movie of Mount Rushmore, <laughs> which mm -hmm. we made up as kind of a goof with me and like, few of the podcast friends and someone badly crudely photoshopped i think it was aiden <laughs> crudely photoshopped like denzel harrison ford clint eastwood ah oh. oh, god i'm who i got the other guy um i think kevin costner might be the other face on the mount oh, rushmore dad movies. <laughs> so yeah. we're definitely dad movie fans around here so i feel like there's a kinship there so uh and today we talk about a real classic in daredevil uh <laughs> like a deep dive into daredevil <laughs> <laughs> What have we done? No, I it'll be it'll be interesting. Um, 
but before well, before we do that, I don't want to get past uh, the talk of what movies you've seen lately you want to talk about. It's usually my favorite part of the show. So what, what did you have you want to talk about that you've seen lately? <laughs> yeah, I think it would be a complete remiss if, you know, we record in this episode uh, the same week that William Freakin passed to is by far like one of my absolutely most adored directors. Um, and it's kind of just like really weird timing because I found myself going down a deep like exorcist rabbit hole um at the beginning of the month Mm -hmm. um or even late last month I can't remember which is maybe I hadn't seen in ages but before that point you know I've been watching I'd like watched Sorcerer for the first time at Christmas uh previous year I'd also watched To Live and Die in LA for the first time but before that you know always revered and like loved the French Connection and uh and The Exorcist um and and The Hunted as well which is another classic that people don't really give enough credit although I do see everyone on social media really appreciating that appreciating that film but yeah, it's just really sad that he's passed away because, like, I again, like, I um, I watched The Exorcist the other month, which I think I've realized is now one of my favorite films of all time. Really inspiring movie. I think obviously perfectly valid to look at that film and take away like a kind of like a darker message if you want to like look at it that way. But as old Billy Friedkin says in the opening introduction to the <laughs> film, you know, you get out of what The Exorcist, what you bring in. Um, and I really feel like watching that movie, it's like. It's one of the most inspirational, uplifting endings to a film ever. And that goes for both the theatrical and the 2000 recut, you know, where uh, Dyer and Kinderman walk away. Like, uh, I think even without that, you know, spoiler alert if you haven't seen The Exorcist, but, you know, (laughs) Karras' act of sacrifice, that to me is like one of the most beautiful movie moments of all time. And it's something I think only Freakin' could have pulled off. But yeah, so um, after that, after after he passed away, I made a point of rewatching The French Connection, which I hadn't seen for such a long time. Um, And again, just like so just confident and like authoritative um, and visceral. Visceral is always the word that I think of when I think of Freakin'. Um, You know, I just, I, I think Hackman is just, amazing in that film the final shots are great although it does frustrate me that after you get that great bit where it hard cuts to black and it has like the uh the the this is what became of this character thing of like it, it just <laughs> oh, yeah, ended yeah. on that on that that hard cut to black and doing just you know whatever and then i rewatched to live and die in la um the other night because uh dan greamer who does a lot of wheel of w's episodes with us um he hasn't seen that movie before so i roped him into doing oh, an wow. episode yeah. on to live and die in la <laughs> the wheel of dad movies and again that film is just ridiculous i love it um i've been obsessed with the wang chung soundtrack since i, I think <laughs> like i watched it the first time last year and the the bit after the intro where you have the opening title sequence and it's the 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 deep red kind of like room, the gun firing and, and Wang Chung's City of Angels like flaring in. Oh my God, just absolutely incredible. And like, yeah, I just, I, I adore Friedkin's works and like what an amazing life, but you know, 87 years old, you know, that's that's amazing in and of itself. Still a massively huge loss, um, but someone whose films i'm like well this is a five star this is a five star this is a five star mm-hmm. <laughs> um just yeah adore adore freaking uh and then unrelated to that um i'll let you go in a second oh, you're <laughs> unrelated to that i also watched for the first time uh john frankenheimer's the train um oh, starring yes. burt lancaster uh, mm-hmm. and that was like that fully lived up to the hype for me as well that was just such a beautifully shot movie um about the cost of war and how we we uh we cost war in and of itself you know the value that you know of, of life and you know 
I, I thought it was a brilliant, brilliantly beautiful movie. One of the most poignant kind of World War II pictures that that I've seen at least. Um, so yeah, that has been my my recent kind of movie stuff as well. Oh, and I also rewatched The Exorcist three for the first time in ages, um, which oh. is was an <laughs> amazing film. So which been... uh, which cut did you watch of that? The Legion cut or the the original? So cut? I've... I wa- I got the Arrow Blu-ray, so I watched the oh. theatrical cut. But I really do want to go back and watch Legion cut because I've not seen the Legion cut. I've only seen the theatrical, and I do agree with everyone else that the Father Morning stuff and the exorcism bit, like, is just completely incongruous with what Platy right. set out to do with that movie. <laughs> yeah. So I definitely will give the Legion cut a go. Um, but I still, you know, even with the uh, the intrusive exorcism, like, still <laughs> kind of like a masterpiece of a horror sequel um so yeah i've been basically in short for people i i've been in flavor country is where i've been for all my movies <laughs> that uh that's good stuff uh you're off the train which is a movie i feel like several friends of mine have told me i need to see i think preston mitchell has uh really he loves that one i think he's pushed it i i said i'm not gonna round to it i want to um exorcist three is when i only saw one time and i think i watched the legion cut because everyone was like watch that cut uh mm-hmm. so i don't think i even saw the original uh has one of the best jump scares of all time uh as Dude. everyone talks about my god the, that that jump scare and then the bit that that always not that this is an exorcist podcast although it totally could be <laughs> um the, the bit that always gets me with those movies and again i'm not a religious person but i find i'm drawn to stories about faith which we might talk about with daredevil and because he's one of my favorite marvel heroes um the the desecration of religious artifacts is always the scariest stuff for me in those films like you have the bit in the original Exorcist where the priest walks in and there's um it's uh, is it the statue of the Virgin Mary that's been completely kind of desecrated and then so, yeah. in the Exorcist three you have the bit where Kinderman is talking to um another priest and they feel they feel the demon's presence coming into the into the kind of building uh, and Kinderman walks outside and the camera pulls back to the hallway. And right around the corner is a statue that has the face of the Joker draped in black with a knife in its hand. And that is one of the most unnerving (laughs) images, if not the most unnerving image in that movie for me. Uh, Something about like how ancient all that imagery is and how like arresting it all is. Um, And the, the defiance of like desecrating it. It just gets under my skin. It gets, it's, um, I, I, yeah, I've just been in a massive exorcism obsession recently. <laughs> I just, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, wow, I forgot about that image, but because I, because I, all I heard about was the jump scare for us, Exorcist 3. And the whole movie is very unnerving, I feel like. There is, there's those weird touches too where like he's in heaven and like Patrick Ewing and Fabio were there where, you know, like weird. Cause William Peter Blatty, I think, only directed a couple movies, Night Configuration and Exorcist 3 at a camera. There's another one. Uh, Night configuration also has a lot of weird, just weird flourishes. Yeah, yeah, it's it's good. It's really unique. I, I just I feel like it, you can tell this guy is not a guy who, like I think formally studied film. Like he's a writer who became a director, and I feel like he has these weird ideas that he just puts into movies. And you're like, I feel like someone else wouldn't do that, but I appreciate it because it's so unique and weird. <laughs> like, and Extra Three is full of that stuff too, where it's like so odd choice, but it's interesting. Um, and yeah, I'm glad you brought up Friedkin because yeah, that just happened a few days ago. And I feel like I was just getting into his stuff a lot, maybe like last year. And I was like, oh, wow, he beyond like because he has like, I think, two Stone Cold Undisputed Classics and French Connection Exorcist. Like and then beyond that, I think people kind of I, mean, I think, you know, uh, Cruising is great. 
to live and die in LA made my favorite Friedkin. I need mm-hmm. to watch it again. I meant to watch it again before we did this, but I didn't get a chance. But um, that movie's amazing. Um, his movie called Killer Joe for 2013. So I haven't seen that one. That, that, that movie. Is... I've got uh, the cruising. I've got the Blu-ray of Cruising, which I'm yet to watch because one of my mates is obsessed with that movie. And he's constantly like, you need to watch it. You need to watch it. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, don't watch it without me. So I'm like waiting for, like, waiting, for an waiting. opportunity to, to do that. Um, but yeah, like, that's just such a brilliant filmmaker. And like, one thing that I've noticed a lot from people talking about Freak in the last week you know, people always like to bring up like his combative nature, you know, his kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, which is totally fair. You know, there are so many good anecdotes of him. And, you know, if you listen to the to Live and Die in LA commentary where he's talking about how the Secret Service or the Treasury Department um, were like, we want to take you in for questioning for this kind of thing oh, yeah. been making on set. And he's like, go get a warrant then. And he's there talking about that and all that stuff. But what, whatever I, whenever I listen to Billy Friedkin talk about film, or talk about things it's sincere and appreciative like you can just tell that this is a man who lived and breathed cinema um and there's something very you know that i find sincerity like a really important quality in people and i love just how how full-on freaking was um and hearing him talk about everything like you just get the you get the, the get the sense that if he was your mate he'd like back you you know what I yeah. mean? Like I just um yeah, no. I, I think great human being. Uh and someone who I could listen to talk about film for ages. Oh yeah. <laughs> I loved listening to be interviewed because he has such a unique voice, first of all. That's just this this very unique way of speaking. I could hear his voice out of any like a crowd of people. And he was so entertaining. Have you watched Freaking Uncut? the documentary about no i have not oh, I need it's good to. it'll make yeah. you want to watch all the freaking movies again and i feel that i forgot i meant to i mentioned sorcerer which i think now was considered a masterpiece i know it bombed terribly the times it opened like against star wars and what are you gonna do against that but uh it's 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 so tense that movie i just watched it for the first time last year it's like it lives up to the billion people are like this is the most tense thing you'll ever see <laughs> when like, roy scheider comes out the other end of that journey and there's that shot of him covered in dust like his soul has left his mouth that is how we all feel at the end of Sorcerer. That yeah. film is phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. So he's, yeah. Even his stuff that I think people think is kind of junky, like The Guardian, which is like a like a little horror movie, like 1990 or so, like, it's fun. It's like, it's not great, but it's got like weird touch, like Evil Dead and like some oh, other stuff. Uh... It's like a weird like mix of like, like a uh, hand that rocks the cradle, like one of those like kind of stalker woman comes into the home, but then there's a mix of like, folk horror type oh, it's very damn. No, yeah, I've got that. i think i've got that one on my watch list there's that and um the hunted as well i, I still think is yet oh. to fully get its flowers like people talk about it now yeah. obviously in the in the circles we travel on on twitter everyone's big hunted appreciators mm-hmm. um but it frustrates me endlessly like looking back at that <laughs> film and seeing all those reviews being like oh it's just a diet rambo it's just william freaking doing rambo it's like He's saying so much in that film, and in many ways, you could argue that The Hunted is a more faithful adaptation of Rambo than the original Rambo. And I like the original First Blood movie, um, but like in terms of iterating on the, the the messages of like we never really reckon with what it means to transform someone into a killer and to mm-hmm. take away their humanity until they're nothing but a machine of war. Um, I think The Hunted is 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 perfect. It's only doing and again like what timing for that film to come out in 2003 as well as you know america was getting ready to send another generation well was already in the midst of sending another generation to a never-ending conflict you know it's just he always i just yeah great movie 
yeah, great another dudes. great I mean, one yeah. it's yeah he's <laughs> he really was like one of the great directors so that's yeah i'm very sad and just him as a uh, person talking about film i loved hearing him be interviewed about anything <laughs> so uh yes yeah, just everyone i mean i'll be watching more freaking movies i know i've been on a kick so i'll start watching uh stuff i haven't seen so um well i guess yeah stuff i've seen lately i saw a couple new horror movies that just came out um talk to me the new a24 oh, yes. horror movie from australia um I thought it was really good. I thought it was really good. It uh, It's got a kind of a unique premise. And I feel like a few people have said this already, that it does a really good job, like kind of representing kind of Gen Z and <laughs> their how they use social media and like that that whole thing, because it's all these kids getting around to kind of almost play a game or like a dare with this this hand that they found. They're like, you can hold on to it for 90 seconds. And you can invite the spirit in and see that, but don't hold more than 90 seconds or it's going to be trouble. So, of course, someone holds on for more than 90 seconds and then, you know, then it <laughs> things go badly. And it's very, uh, pretty bleak in some ways, fairly mean-spirited. Although I love that. You're hitting all my buttons there. You know, it's, <laughs> it still has a sense of fun. It's a weird balancing act when it's like, you're like, this is really intense and kind of bleak, but it's also still got this... Uh, I don't know. I think the way it moves, it's like it mm. it just kind of moves along very quickly. And it's just there. I mean, there's a scene. It's like a showstopper that is one of the gnarliest like horror scenes I've seen in anything in a long time where people in the theater were like audibly and like physically like, like scream, like retracting in their seats. And Ooh. like it hurt. Like I've seen a lot of shit in horror movies. And even this, I was like, oh, my God, there's just an intensity to the whole thing that that I think is lacking sometimes in modern horror. Cause wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I feel like I may be selling it too hard, but I really liked it. I thought the performances were all good. It's all like to me, an unknown cast. It's like a bunch of young people in Australia. I don't think I've seen any of them in anything. Um, I thought they felt pretty genuine, even if they're a little one dimensional. Cause I mean, it, I've been, I can't, that's, that's a lot of horror movies in my life. So I hate that criticism toward a horror. It's like, Oh, they're kind of one dimensional. It's like, well, that's most of the horror movies I like. So I don't think it's a really fair criticism, but I thought they all such you like unique personalities and they felt real to me. Um, probably helps out with anything else. They're just like, these are just these kids. So um, it's wild. It gets, it gets wild. So um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was good. That um, is on my list for sure. I, I remember like being really impressed with the trailers and it's just been one of those weird timing things where I haven't gone around to see it. Yeah, I've yet to... I'm a big fan of going to the movies on my own. I've not yet ripped that plaster off for horror because, oh. truth be told, I'm a bit of a scaredy cat. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that might have to be a home video thing for me, potentially. <laughs> I understand. That was me for a long time. With like, I was so scared of horror, and now I feel like I went the other way in like the past decade. And <laughs> Nothing like, can get past me. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's... Some stuff still <laughs> still messes me up, and that's how I know I'm like, oh, this is good. Like, I'm still I don't want to rewatch Hereditary ever again because that movie mm. just again. Me I've not I've not <laughs> seen that. I've not seen any of the uh, the Ari Aster horrors. Like, I know I need oh, to get okay. on them. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're talking about horror movies that will continue to mess me up permanently, um, <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Every single oh, yeah. frame of that film vibrates on a level that is designed to make my brain leap out of my skull and hide <laughs> behind like the sofa. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm weirdly okay with that. Oh, I shouldn't say okay with that one now, but I think it's like I feel like it. It could be the contender for like the greatest horror movie ever made because it's oh, so it, yes raw and just you're like who made this? <laughs> like my I mean, argument... we know it was Toby Hooper, these people at Texas, yeah. but it just has this vibe that like. I haven't found from any other horror movie. And there's a lot of like cheap grindhousey type horror movies, but they don't have the 
masterful level of control that you find in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but it still feels unhinged. It's a very, it's such a unique mixture of things. And it's a great movie that's about everything. One of the great, it it stands for everything films. Alongside Deliverance, I think those are the two greatest kind of um, films about the 70s. Like if you look at Texas Uh, Chainsaw Massacre and Deliverance and like the different kind of sociopolitical trends, economic trends like that, those, those movies are, which is great. And I love that they boil down to the most scary thing that I think a horror film can can reiterate, and that is uh bad shit happens and it doesn't always have to make sense. You know, you yes. don't have to yeah. you don't it, it can just like they're just out and about in in the Texan heat, they come across a house and then boom. Uh, I think that's just how it works, and that's really creepy. <laughs> yeah. The randomness is really what's scary. That's why I don't like things being over-explained in horror movies too often, because yes. I'm like the unknown, the randomness is the scary part. So, yes. Um, uh, another movie I saw just came out this weekend. Uh, Last Voyage of the Demeter. Which, <laughs> Dude, this has been infinitely delayed in the UK. Oh, really? Infinitely delayed. Oh. I've been, I was so looking forward to it. And I was like, oh. I'm going to go see this on Friday. I'm going to have a great time. And then it was like, oh, because Lionsgate have taken over the UK distributor for Last Voyage of the Demeter. It's it's nowhere and it's been delayed indefinitely here. So I don't know when that's going to come to cinemas. I mean, did you have a great time? <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. I don't. I didn't like. Not as good as Talk to Me, but mm-hmm. it's. I mean, because it's based on this, you know, portion of the Dracula novel. You know, you have an idea of what's going to happen. <laughs> but <laughs> but I thought they did a good job with like it felt very old fashioned in a good way to me. Like like I could imagine this being like a Hammer or uh, Universal horror movie but obviously the violence would be toned way down because it is i thought it was surprisingly very bloody and violent um like i'd heard that a little bit but it was still like wow they're they're really going for it and again in a way that like they do some things where i'm like oh they really went there uh for that (laughs) like um and the cast is good liam cunningham's like the perfect sea captain you know from like game of thrones all these other things he's like yes perfect sea captain um Corey Hawkins, who I like, is like the really the main lead. He was in Straight Outta Compton and Kong Skull Island and Black Klansman. Um, and he gets uh, he's like a guy who really needs to get kind of out of where he is and get on this boat <laughs> and gets on there as their doctor. And, uh, you know, then things go haywire because Dracula's on the boat. Spoilers. I think everyone knows that. <laughs> but, uh, and it's it's like a slow, like picking somebody off every night someone and they're kind of like what's going on what's going on and it, I, the one criticism i have and it, i think everyone said this is it is way too long it's basically two hours long like it should be like a tight 90 minutes i think because it's kind of drawn especially the opening is a little slow it's kind of drawn out to get to what we all know was going to happen the dracula's on this boat and he's going to attack everyone <laughs> so we don't need to really you know take that long to get where we're going um but it's good. I think it's pretty tense. I love the look of Dracula in this, where he's like a gross bat monster. You know, he's, it's like, a, he's just been woken up, man. He's like he's hungry. You know, we've all been there. You know, <laughs> <laughs> not looking his best after a, you know sleeping dirt. Uh, but it's like I I like that. I like both. Give me Dracula, who's like suave and like a count, but give me like dirty monster Dracula too, and I'm excited. But um, it's cool. I liked it. I thought it was uh. I thought I kind of knew exactly what it was going to be, and it kind of gave me exactly what I was expecting. So I can't be upset about that, right? <laughs> so I had a good time. Um, and the last thing will lead us right into Daredevil because I finally uh, watched Electra 
from 2005. Oh, Oh, I took a bullet. I took a bullet for this one. I was like, I should do my due <laughs> diligence and watch Electra. Oh um, my God. You're so committed. You're so committed. Committed to this whole thing. It's funny because I literally had it on a like three pack of Blu-ray with Daredevil Director's Cut. Electra and the Fantastic Four to Oh my god, where can I find this ancient tome? <laughs> I found it like at a second hand store near me that was and I said, I'll pay I think it was four or five dollars for Oh deal. That's yeah, a damn good deal. It was I a take deal. that for deal every movies, time. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'll you know, I was like, I'll watch this. Um the only reason I would ever recommend to watch Electra is to watch it before Daredevil. And think, wow, Daredevil's a better movie than I gave it credit for because Electra <laughs> is awful. Like, I gave it a star and a half on Letterboxd. That may have been too generous. It's really, really bad. Um, I don't even know where to begin. It's, uh, it starts off like, it's talking about starting off slow. It's like Jennifer Garner's Electra going to like hang out in Vancouver for like a while and this job the home of on. the assassins yeah, the home of the assassins aka we got a tax break for coming here uh, <laughs> like, and you know she just kind of sits around for a while and you're like what what are we doing like what's the job she meets this like guy and his daughter um who she's supposed to be this brilliant assassin who like cleans up after herself and like leaves no trace but she can't put two and two together and figure out this is the guy that she's supposed to go after <laughs> and whatever anybody watching the movie can be like that's the guy you're gonna have to go after and she just hangs out with them even though she has this whole like i don't want to get close to anybody policy um the action's really bad uh the cgi is very bad <laughs> it's it's barely got any action i think i think somebody wrote a letterbox like there's like an action thing at the beginning it's an action seems very quick at the beginning that's not really anything but then like you have to wait like another 45 to 50 minutes for another action scene maybe even longer and it's like what is so boring it's so boring and uh and then it's not even that great the end fight involves a lot of uh sheets flying around like cgi laundry flying around um it's awful it's an abomination what an error (laughs) What an error. But what did it have error. a good soundtrack? Did it have a good did it have a good like uh butt rock like song to go along with it? Not not even as good a soundtrack as Daredevil. Another step down on the soundtrack. Um I'm go- yeah. I'm Googling Electra the official album right now to see if there is I what's know, on there. Done that because um, just because I wanna see. I just wanna see. Um here we go. Oh right. These are all I'm already I've just seen a glimpse of the names right now, and this is already um okay evanescence evanescence come back for breathe They're no back. more alter bridge save me oh <laughs> oh god hawthorne heights jesus okay oh yeah. jet 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 oh. uh-huh um and the definitive electra song by strata never there brackets she stabs that's a great description of Electra as a character. I think you. You know what's funny? I do love that band there. Strata. They were very underrated. They had like one album, <laughs> maybe one or two albums, and I like that song. <laughs> well, uh, it's, it's an accurate description. If it lives this, up to the description, then really it's good. She does have. Yeah. This is this funny because Daredevil Electra had bands on the soundtrack that I was into at the time. This was like perfect timing for me with the bands that were on the album because I was into all these bands. But. The funny thing is, you mentioned all those bands. I don't think I heard like, any of those songs in the movie. So I guess they just threw them all at the just throw them just on the soundtrack or the end credits. I don't know. Like, um, they put her in a red Electra outfit for a change. That's something from Daredevil they didn't do. Like, um, 
it's nonsense. It's it's a gobbledygook nonsense. <laughs> it's a terrible movie. And I Karen believe... Stamp as Stick. It's just like, that's not terrible casting. But given Scott Glenn bossed it so brilliantly in the TV show and literally is Stick, I don't think yeah. he stands a chance, really. Yeah, I, I almost <laughs> forgot he was in the movie. <laughs> like yeah. He's underused. Uh, he's fine, I guess. I It was one of those things where I'm like, man, did nobody making this movie stand around and go, what are we doing here? Because it's We've so got Terrence bad. Stamp right here and he's doing nothing. <laughs> it's so bad. You think somebody would have been like, We've, we're making a mistake. Um, So yeah, Elektra, not good. At least I could say I saw it, I guess. <laughs> and I can, then I watched Daredevil, which by comparison, I thought was a much better movie. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess we can get into Daredevil now. Um. So I'm glad you mentioned this because you said Daredevil was like a superhero you really love, which is good because he's a superhero that I just like liked as a kid and knew his basic backstory. I think I read Daredevil Born Again Hell years yeah. ago, which is like one of the quintessential Daredevil stories. Um, that may be like the extent of my Daredevil knowledge. I don't know. So if you're you know more about him as a character, that's great. Um, yeah. and Have you seen the TV show? I watched the first season maybe the second season I, Bro, I i would definitely say if you get the chance to like watch watch those three you don't have to bother with any of the i mean the, 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 the this is the annoying thing when you recommend someone marvel <laughs> stuff it's like oh you may have to there's the defenders has some stuff in it that impacts the third season which mm. you probably should watch i can't say that the defenders is a good show because it isn't but season <laughs> season one, two, and three, particularly season three of Daredevil. I mean, the I think that's the by far the highest bar that Marvel has reached. Um, it genuinely fantastic prestige television. Um, so and it gets the Daredevil fan seal of approval. Um, the only gripe I have with it is that they stick more to the uh, they rather than having him in the Daredevil costume, they have him in the the black costume which he wore for. Not born again. It's in the Frank Miller Daredevil comic. I think it's the Man Without Fear, which is like an origin story. So it's all faithful, but they put him back in that that outfit for Daredevil season three. I'm like, man, just get him in, get him in the costume. He had such a good costume. But yeah, de- yeah. definitely watch that show. It's it's fantastic. <laughs> it's really good. I, I'm bad at watching shows, and that's why I really did enjoy the show for like the first two seasons. Maybe there was like a gap in between, or maybe it was like I don't. I was high for the Defenders too, but then Defenders came out, and people were kind of like, oh, Defenders isn't that great. And I was like, oh, that's disappointing because I would love more like street level mm-hmm. hero stuff and not like we're fighting against alien invasion with a big blue light from the sky. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I was excited, but I never I never got to that one either. So, yeah, because I really enjoyed the Daredevil show. That was great. The action was great. I thought they did a good job with the character. Um, but I think I just lost interest or something happened. <laughs> Somebody may need to give so season three a chance. <laughs> for you as a com- were you ever like a comics person? Do you have like. A history with marvel and did you have like favorites growing up and stuff oh my god this yeah <laughs> yes i yeah. was huge comic book kid i i grew up like right when they were pumping out all these good superhero cartoons like the 90s x-men cartoon 90s yeah. spider-man the batman animated series and yeah. then that got me into comics and like i had so many comics like i was forced my mom to take me to like comic book conventions like i would get wizard magazine <laughs> and oh, like look man. in the back when they would have like they would list by state where the conventions were going to be so if i saw one was gonna be near us i would go tell my mom like we please go to this and uh um like i was i had my grandparents got me like this giant like black case i don't know where they it's like a black <laughs> cardboard looking case thing that had tons of comics like a random assortment so i was like all about it. i bought like books on like the marvel like encyclopedia or something so like i could tell you 
so many Marvel characters. I just read so few of their uh, actual series. Like, you know, I could tell you all about Daredevil's backstory and his powers. Hardly read any of the, any of the stories. Had tons of action figures. Like, I was... That's why I was so excited when, like, the MCU was coming up. And it was mm-hmm. like, oh, my God. I never thought I'd see these characters in big movies. Because I, you know, I suffered through um, stuff like Steel and uh, <laughs> these, like... And, I like, I didn't get, like, legit marvel dc comic book stuff until way later they were, you know they were doing all the the stuff i love now like like shadow and rocketeer and the phantom mm-hmm. like we weren't getting like good cap i say good captain america there was captain america good captain america x-men like when all that stuff started happening like blade x-men spider-man i was like oh finally <laughs> so i was big into it i'll i'll contain myself because i was so so into superheroes no, but that's good i'm, I'm interested you were the same way <laughs> yeah so like this is actually a pretty good talking point because like obviously spoke earlier on about how films are very much like obviously my mom and dad were both into movies but my dad primarily kind of led my film education if you want to call that that from mm-hmm. when i was a teenager my mom was a comic book reader since she was very small um, she has some like of the earliest like Justice League comics at home and stuff. Um, so she was, she was really the biggest influence on me in terms of checking out superhero stuff. Um, and like you, my gateway for all of this was like Batman animated series, which yeah. um, we collected in VHS volumes, and I had like all of them, and I wore those tapes out. To this day, I think Batman Beyond: Return of the Joker is the best Batman movie ever made. I think that thing is like just an absolute perfect distillation of that character and what he stands for and the psychology of it all. You know, the DCAU authoritative superhero fiction. I, I think everything that is great about DC, though Batman, Batman Beyond, uh, uh, Justice League, Justice League Limited, Superman Animated Series, Static Shock, all of it is distilled in those shows. It's absolutely oh, yeah. perfect. Um, and then for Marvel, when I, when we moved houses, when I was a small kid, we got satellite television for the first time, which meant getting Fox Kids. Um, oh, nice. And <laughs> so I, when we moved houses, I was five years old, and that was 2001. Uh, and they were still running reruns of Spider-Man animated series and X-Men animated series. And X-Men Evolution oh. was airing at that point as well, which is another great show. Um, and... Spider-Man animated series was my introduction to Daredevil because there is a great two-parter episode on that with um, where Spidey meets Daredevil. And I remember being absolutely obsessed with Daredevil as a character. Um, I thought he had the most amazing suit. I always enjoyed partnerships where there is a slightly older kind of like a wiser mentor figure who kind of helps steer the younger partner on their way. It's kind of really funny that I'm having this epiphany right now because I always drawn to Daredevil because of his relationship with Spider-Man. Lee Van Cleef, Man in Black, and for a few dollars more is one of my favorite characters ever, and he's kind of assumed that similar position. Um, There's another character that I was... Oh, Obi-Wan in Star Wars as well. Like, I have always been drawn to those kind of mentor figures, and I was completely kind of like... I think if you go back and watch that 90s Spider-Man cartoon now, you will be disappointed because it is no, it, it's nowhere near as artfully constructed as... Um, Batman and the same goes for X-Men. I know people are gonna hate me for saying that, but that <laughs> despite despite being good shows, they didn't have the same kind of structure or budget even as, right, as, as Batman. Right. Um, but the, the introduction of Daredevil blew me away anyway. And you know, when I was growing up, we didn't have a comic book shop that I discovered until I was a little bit older. And that's when I started collecting comics properly, it was in my, my early teenage years, and I've got a massive collection of comic books. 
kind of had a lot of superhero fatigue recently, understandably, so I've not really been reading as much. Um, but, you know, Daredevil I was obsessed with, and that kind of, you know, alongside the X-Men was my big one. But Daredevil, kind of, that obsession really kind of blossomed when I first started massively getting into comics, which was in the mid to late or late 2000s um which was when ed brubaker was writing the run he'd just come off his run on captain america um so i collected all the brian bendis stuff before that and i still think bendis's run on daredevil is the greatest daredevil run of all time i know people really like miller's stuff i like miller's stuff too but the bendis daredevil run is phenomenal with alex maleve on the art and ed brubaker spiritually with michael Wall, it kind of continues that that theme um, and I think those two runs are fantastic. Obviously, I went back and read a lot of the Miller stuff. Some of the Anna Senti stuff is absolutely amazing as well with Typhoid Mary. Um, and Daredevil is a character I just really enjoy because he's just a sad, emo-y person <laughs> who, whose greatest crime is just like he... There's all obviously all the, the you know the tropes of like Catholic guilt and stuff, but he's also got a hilarious love life. The man just cannot help himself. You know, he's uh, he's like... He loves his disastrous relationships. Um, and I, I think, again, with Daredevil, it's like, I think he's one of the most inspiring Marvel characters because he goes through so much. Like, he objectively, you know, people talk about Spider-Man going through a lot of shit. Like, mm-hmm. come on. Matt Murdock <laughs> had his entire life stripped from him like a bear stripping bark from a tree by the kingpin and then rose up from the ashes in the fire like a Daredevil born again, eh? Um, <laughs> did that really well. And so, yeah, I've just really loved Daredevil. And, like, I love Hellboy as well. Like, I just, there's something about these religious motifs that really appeal to me. But Daredevil in particular, the irony of a man who dresses up as a Daredevil, but, you know, is, like, you know, devout religious man. Um, the whole law, order sort of thing, I really love, too. The fact that I think it's really important that Matt Murdock is a defense attorney. Um, mm-hmm. I like that aspect to him because it it's not a case of, like, I'm just going to prosecute criminals and then if they get off the law i'll become daredevil and hunt them down which is just really not what i'm there for because that it's not really appealing to me right um but the whole idea of him being a defense attorney who stands up and represents you know the little guy who can't Mm -hmm. find the voice in the justice system which is so entirely predicated in a lot of great circumstances around money and how much money and power and influence you wield. I like how Daredevil is all about taking that back and empowering people. And then obviously, you know, he's very bad at his job in many respects, but as the Marvel method goes, that's part of what makes him so compelling and relatable. Um, And yeah, Daredevil, one of like, yeah, that's basically that from Spider-Man animated series through to my early teenage years, reading Daredevil as a comic that was, um, that was the big thing. And then amongst it all was the 2003 Daredevil movie, which um, I was obviously very excited for as a kid because I loved Spider-Man, the movie. And then Daredevil came out and I was like, oh my God, it's Daredevil, I'm so excited. <laughs> um, I remember listening to the soundtrack religiously. I wasn't allowed to go see it though because it was rated a 15 in the UK. Oh, okay. So with Spidey, it was a 12A, so it was easy to get in because the 12A certificate, you just need a parent to come with you. Um, but Daredevil was a 15. So I didn't see Daredevil until it came out on video um, like in 2004. And I remember thinking it was, as a kid, it blew my mind. I was like, oh my God, right. Daredevil, <laughs> this is great. And then I remember revisiting it back when I had my proper big comics phase and mm-hmm. watching the director's cut and thinking, oh man, this movie is so like under- misunderstood. Like it's like so deep and like, <laughs> no one really gets 
No one really gets Daredevil. Um, and <laughs> yesterday I rewatched the theatrical cut, and I need to um, I need to make a confession. This is my confession, right? Oh, uh-huh. Daredevil two thousand three is not a good movie. <laughs> I, I know, I know, uh, I, I'm mind blown for everyone because I know Daredevil 2003 is a vaunted classic. Um, but... <laughs> People are in, enraged right now. You know, it was like, I, I think it, you know, it's weird. I'm like, so I, I think people have kind of reassessed this whole wave of pre MCU Marvel movies as being like they've taken all, almost all of them back except like Electra. No one's, no one's taking Electra back. But I, I, I think Daredevil, especially the director's cut, people will defend that director's cut and say, no, it's actually a pretty good movie. Uh, and I don't know how much that is just like we're tired of what they're currently doing and we miss the the style of 20 years ago, which is crazy. Yeah. It's been 20 years since Daredevil <laughs> came out. Um, oh, and not even just that. Sorry, not to interrupt you again. Oh. You know, we're recording this on August 13th, right? Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Right. It, so, it, you know, you know the date of the ball that that they have in Daredevil 2003. Is it August 13th? August 13th. Oh my god. The start of the the 20th anniversary of Electra Nachos's father being killed. We are living in history. We are retreading it. That is that is very weird and random though. I was going to look when this came out. Oh, this came out like Valentine's Day 2003. In the states, oh uh, man! Everyone who was like listening to Evanescence would have been just like, "Come on!" Oh, crying to my immortal as the funeral scene play <laughs> with Benefer. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. Um, where to begin? But yeah, so this is like this. <laughs> this is uh, yeah. It's funny you were saying you got a Daredevil kind of partially through that Spider-Man series because I think that Spider-Man series got me into Blade because he pops up on the animated series and I'm like this guy's cool as shit and then mm-hmm. and then the movie comes out and he's even cooler than you know he was on the show and I was like obsessed with Blade for a while and then the movie came out and I was like oh my god this is the best thing ever um uh and yeah this came out and I don't think I saw this in theaters weirdly enough I don't know what I was doing on Valentine's Day 2003 that I couldn't make it to Daredevil but <laughs> <Is they? laughs> yeah, I guess so uh I was like couldn't drive quite yet. We've been like 15 or 14. I can't do math. Um, but anyway, so <laughs> I couldn't drive myself. So movies were probably more of a premium. And I, I do know I must have seen it like on DVD shortly after it got released on DVD. Because I do remember watching it at a friend's house. And we got into like, I remember we got into like a big debate. I shouldn't bring the story because it does have a good ending. But we brought the, the, something happens in the Kingpin Daredevil fight near the end. And like. We were so stupid, we didn't realize subtitles exist. But there was something Kingpin says to Matt Murdock where we like could not understand what the line was. <laughs> and we had a bet. We were like arguing. We we're like, no, he said this. No, he said that. And we're going back and forth. And it's like, I bet you $5 or something. We brought other people in. And I was like, can we? I don't know if subtitles were an option. And I yesterday I was trying to watch it again. And I still have no idea what the hell we were arguing about. I was like, what line do we not understand? <laughs> it's like, I couldn't figure it out. But I remember watching it. That's a story is no good any, but I care what it was. We figured it out and I lost. I remember I lost the bet, but that's all I remember. But we watched it and I thought it was okay, I think. I think I was just happy to have a Daredevil movie um, in general because that's how it was this time. You were just like excited to have like anything superhero related. If you were a superhero kid, you're like, because we've only gotten a few things at that point, like Blade, Spider-Man, X-Men. I don't think I forget anything else. Like not a lot. And um yeah, so I watched the director's cut for the first time because I've heard about it for years. Never seen it until now. Only seen the theatrical cut. And I said before we start recording, I think I have a kind of a hot take. I don't think 
<laughs> that it's that much better a movie with the director's cut. From what I remember, I'm like, there's this whole huge subplot with Coolio being like uh, one of Matt Murdock's clients. And I that none of that stuff makes a theatrical. The whole thing is like completely Gone. removed. Um, get out of that. <laughs> throw it all out. It was like, I guess it makes sense because you couldn't really have any of it without having all of it i guess you could like have a quick shot of him defending it, but then you'd be like was that coolio and it, you know it'd be weird to have him in that little small role i think all the karen page stuff gets cut out of the theatrical of ellen pompeo stuff mm-hmm. um where i was like oh it's Grey's anatomy lady she's in this and uh so there's a bunch of stuff like that i do think there's it's like a little more violent i think but it's yes, so yeah. brief that it's like you know it's like it barely makes it it's not like someone gets their head lobbed off or anything it's not like that kind of crazy violence it's a little more blood or like a little more impact on some punches and kicks um so i don't think it's great but i also was watching it going i must have watched this more than i remembered because i thought i only seen it like once or twice but i was like i remember so much of this movie like i was like even so not the stuff in director's cut but all the stuff that was not in there and i was like how many times did i watch this because it was like it's Very because not, not much happens in it. This is the thing. Not much happens in Daredevil 2003. You have the <laughs> introductory flashback sequence where it's like, you know, going into Daredevil's origin. You have the death of, Bat- they call him Jack the Devil now. It's always Batlin Jack. Batlin Jack Murdoch's such a great thing. Where he gets, he he beats John Rom- This is the thing I need to talk about as well. So there's, there's so, like, in the opening fight, there's a little Easter egg where it's like, it's yeah. Jack the Devil Murdoch versus John Romita, obviously a legendary Marvel artist. Right. There are several little Marvel creative team Easter eggs and references in this film. By far the, and they're all weirdly in poor taste. What by far the weirdest one is that when Ben Urich, Joey Pants is Ben Urich. By the way, Joey Pants is perfectly cast as Ben Urich. I think he does a great job in this film. He looks mm-hmm. the part, everything. Um, when he goes to meet Kevin Smith's creepy mortician guy, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, you know what Kevin Smith is credited as? Jack mm-hmm. Kirby. They really? thought this. They, they thought <laughs> that having this seedy little mortician guy. Taking a bribe from from Joey Pants to to look at Daredevil's stick was worthy of Jack Way more like a double entendre than I meant than I meant it to be. Um, but it's, like they they thought <laughs> that someone looked at this and thought I will just call him Jack Kirby because I'm fairly certain he's on an internet chat board just before Eric walks in the room and he's talking about sending someone a corpse's testicles to someone Jesus. and I'm like. <laughs> Mark Stephen Johnson, what the fuck were you thinking, dude? Like, this is the most ridiculous thing to even attempt. Um, it it completely baffled me. But yeah, like, <laughs> the synopsis is so easy to break down. But you have that, you have, you know, initial fight scene, you have, he meets Electra, they have their thing, you have Bullseye, you have his thing, you have the, uh, the, the ball, the sadness happens, then you get a few montages, then it's Electra death, and then it's the fight, and then it's the ending. That is, there is not much happens in this film. It's kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was watching, thinking, I don't know how long we're gonna need to talk because there's not much to this movie. It's like pretty straightforward. I, it's more about, I think, just performances and choices. The story is like you just laid it out very <sighs> like bare, I would say. Even the director's cut doesn't add, it adds that whole Coolio subplot where it's like there are, he finds out from Coolio some more connections to, kingpin but it's not i don't think it's necessary really it's like yeah. there's some information that he discovers through the whole process but 
it, it, it's you know it's just like we don't need this i don't it's think such a confused movie and it's it, it reads <laughs> like someone read the wikipedia page for daredevil and then wrote a script from that wikipedia page like someone got the cliff notes of daredevil's biggest moments oh okay right so had the origin okay so electra and then she dies by bullseye that's really iconic and then also we have the kingpin who's his arch nemesis the thing is the movie does not establish any kind of rivalry between matt and the kingpin at any point it kind of like obviously it has the whole you know he's revealed to be the the murderer of of, of jack the devil murdoch mm-hmm. um but in terms of establishing kingpin as he is the guy behind organized crime there are a few bits of exposition but there is no emotional heft to like Daredevil and Kingpin's rivalry here. So by the time you get to the end bit, it kind of really doesn't matter anyway. Um, yeah. And it's the same thing with Electra. You have the whole thing where like she's an assassin and we'll probably get to how poorly the film serves Electra as a character because the depiction in this and Bless Jennifer Garner. I think she's doing the best with what she's been given. Um, and and yeah, which is she's not much. Like, she's not been given much. Totally. <laughs> yeah. And she is iconic in this movie. She has so many great looks. And for what it's worth, guys, I will also defend the uh the park fight scene. I think that's kind of oh, fun and goofy. <laughs> I, I enjoy that. That could a lot. be most of this podcast, that yeah. park fight scene. I was like, but, oh right, this happens. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But like, yes, yeah, she like it all I, f- I completely forgot where I was going with that. But like it's it's um it's 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 all just like here's a cliff notes version of daredevil make it into a movie and we'll also do some random like stuff about oh daredevil thinks you know we'll take a very literal approach to like i can just imagine them sitting down in a meeting right and mark stephen johnson is there with all these different guys around him like a simpsons writer's room and like it throws a picture of daredevil on the screen it's like okay guys what do you think when you see this guy good guy or bad guy some guy who's just texting on his phone goes bad guy and he goes, okay, we're going to make a movie about how Daredevil thinks he's a bad guy and he looks like the bad guy, but really he's a hero. I'm like, wow, mind-blowing, Mark. Absolutely mind-blowing. Give this man Ghost Rider. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know. Okay, that's a whole separate topic. I was looking at Mark Stephen Johnson's filmography, and I was like, how did he land Daredevil? Because all he done was Simon Birch. And I was like, how do you see Simon <laughs> Birch and go, give that man Daredevil? I don't know what his pitch was to them. If he came in and pitched something, they were like, we love it. Because I was like he has no background in action from what i could tell he wrote a couple other things but he only directed well, simon sure. birch <laughs> which simon birch is about you know a million miles away from daredevil i would imagine in like what you're what that what that's about and i'm just like this is the guy that i mean it's just so weird to me like they were giving guys like this like big superhero movies like because i think tim story does fantastic four and it's like tim story's the guy for your big fantastic four movie and uh it's just weird, you know, it's just very odd, like the people they chose to give superhero movies to. And I yeah, I don't think it's well directed. I don't know. I think I think it's funny. It came in thinking, I kind of like Daredevil. And as we talk about it, I think it's gonna get worse and worse. Oh, totally. I when I was watching it last night, I couldn't get over how ugly it looked as well. Ooh, like, um Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> compare the night scenes in Daredevil to the way that Sam Raimi shoots the night in like Spider-Man. Obviously, you know, Sam Raimi, one of the most legendary directors of like the last yeah. like 40 years. Um, but it's so ridiculous to me because there are moments, the most frustrating thing about this film for me as a Daredevil fan is that occasionally they will get something so right 
like I think for the most part I really enjoyed the the flashback sequences I think the way they established the relationship between Matt and his father is really well done um that's by far the most compelling visual material they have there the red really contrasts against kind of like the the kind of like uh amber light they have going on um and when they get to the church as well ignoring the the terrible cgi they really lean into the gothic you know religious imagery as well that's what you want daredevil to be clinging onto that cross blood dripping down there's some interesting ideas there but most of the movie is just blue it's different shades of really bad blue (laughs) and because they made the daredevil costume so maroony um it doesn't doesn't contrast well enough um against it and it just gives it a whole kind of like dull feel it just looks really really bland and and sourceless um is what i would say it's just frustrating (laughs) because i think most marvel fans would agree you know outside of the jack kirby stuff from the 60s um, by the time you get to Miller's work on the comic in, in the 70s and 80s, Daredevil is by far one of the most visually compelling books in Marvel's catalog. It's not just all like murky streets and stuff. There's a whole noir flavor that is completely lost by this movie, um, which is frustrating because for every bad thing it does, you have a good thing. Like John Favreau's Foggy, who I think is really good. You have Joe Pantoliano as Ben Uric, who I think does a really good job with that role too. Um, but by and large it's just uh it's it's a daredevil movie made by people who i think didn't really know daredevil but at the same time were like oh i i've i know about daredevil like i've i've read his entire (laughs) wikipedia page like what do you mean i don't know daredevil it just kind of comes across to me like that (laughs) i think they're also trying to cram way too much into one movie that's not exactly like you rush they start rushing so bad like because i was thinking man where the hell's bullseye where's kingpin they both don't show up till like in the director's cut, I don't know if it's the, so like an hour into that. And then it's like, I love how they give Colin Farrell as Bullseye the most Irish introduction I could imagine. Like House of Pain Hey, song. dude, dude gets to <laughs> swig a pint of Guinness and murder an Englishman like he's living the dream. Like, while, instantly. While House of Pain, like, yeah, last yeah. Irish rap song. Yeah, it was like, I was like, wow, this is like the most Irish. I like how he's got like... Farrell portrays Bullseye here like he's got like so many different tics going on and like he's out in that public space it feels like he he hates being overstimulated um so I, I don't know whether he was pulling from um you know a certain well for that um I don't think it works I think it's very I think it's glorious to watch like it's one oh, of those yeah, yeah. like this thing is so during <laughs> and by the way can we talk about how literally at one point it's like I want a bloody costume and they don't give him a costume. <laughs> you think the next scene you see him, he should have a costume. Nope, don't give him a costume. Because I do like Bullseye's uh, comic book costume. I think it'd be a little hard to translate to the screen. especially. And that's the thing about the costuming is we are at a point in 2003 where they are so scared to put people in comic accurate costumes. And the Spider-Man costume Raimi looks great. But X-Men, years before, they make a whole joke about, like, what do you want, yellow spandex? Everyone's in black leather. Um and Electra's in black, Bullseye's in a black with a trench coat. Uh, the fact that Daredevil, I like the look of his suit. I wish it were redder, like you said. It's, it's too dark or red. Um, but I like the look of it. I was thinking, like, we probably were just fortunate we even put him in something that looks like the Daredevil suit because of three, because it's like they were still kind of, they felt scared of that at that time. Like, it was like, it's, oh, no. It's, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, it, it doesn't look like I'm not a fan of the design overall. I think the cowl is just a little bit too 
a little bit too tiny. He looks like he's got a tiny, like they, there's so much padding on that costume. So he kind of looks like a bit of a carrot. Like he's like, <laughs> like that. And he's got like a tiny little head on top of it. The silhouette just doesn't quite work for me. They need a little bit more bulk on top. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean like the, the thing with like Electra's costume as well, like they, they pulled from this when they did ultimate daredevil when they did the ultimate comics, in the early two thousands, they gave her a black costume there. And she has like worn black before in the comics. Um, but it's just, uh, the thing that thing that, like I can criticize Electra's costuming in this movie, but I think that Jennifer Garner is such an icon in it. Like every single fit <laughs> is so iconically like pinpointed in to two thousand and three yeah. with like the the kind of like the low rise jeans, like the small crop, like the uh, you know it's just um, everything about it is like so camp that I can't hate it. Um, like even though objectively speaking, it is so dumb. Like she does her whole training montage and like early 2000s like jogging bottoms like and it like while um while evanescence is playing oh. and, she, and not only talk that of, she has that talk big, about iconic yeah they have that big <laughs> montage sequence where she's there absolutely messing up those sandbags and then she gets killed in the next scene it's just like it's just what was the point of that i know it's i god oh there's so much talk about uh now i'm yeah. like oh there wasn't much talk about just the the choices they make and what they do with the characters it's like oh boy um yeah they give her that a whole evanescence training montage with sandbags which is like fun in a oh i remember this being 2003 kind of way and uh i do i love that song evanescence also fun fact my first concert i went to in like as an independent teenager like with my oh, friends and they were the first concert I went to. And I was like, I was big into that first album, loved them. So I was excited about this. And yeah, the whole scene happens. They go right into her kind of going out to, you know, find Daredevil basically. And then murdered. Like, it's like and it's so side, funny as know? well. Like when they're having their little fight and then she pulls this mask off and like all the time Daredevil's like, whoa, chill, chill. I didn't kill you right. there. Chill, chill. And then, and then she takes his mask off and sees that it's Matt. It's like that doesn't mean that he may not have killed. If you didn't buy him not killing your dad before then, right? Like he totally feels yeah. bad about it. Like, yeah. She's like, oh no! So, I, uh... I feel like I'm missing something between that. Like uh, Matt Murdock and Electra, they like are getting together, and then her dad dies, which she should know. She's mad at Daredevil, but not Matt Murdock. But then she, Matt Murdock's at the funeral, and she doesn't want to talk to him. And I don't know if that's just because uh, she's, she's just, like she's she's a, she doesn't want to get close to him because she's going to have to do killing again. That's, that's what, okay. That's what I was thinking, but it just feels. Like, that's what did he do? So, <laughs> and I, I'll probably this is probably a good point to make my Electra stance right. Okay. The whole <laughs> thing with Electra in the comics is that she is meant to tempt Matt the dark side. She is like, you know, also trained by Stick. Um, you know, like she she is an assassin. She's been a part of that. She was resurrected by the hand and stuff like this. Like she has always been there to be like, hey, Matt, come and kill a criminal. It's really fun. Come on, you want to try it and then have sex with me and we'll like be a little fun, little horny, killing, crime fighting <laughs> duo. And Matt's like, no, I don't want to do that. And then they have that whole back and forth where like, she's like, okay, well, I guess he'll let me like, we'll, we'll be girlfriend, boyfriend anyway. Um, and there's kind of that whole back and forth going towards it. Whereas in here, they paint a lecture as like, oh, I'm just, uh, I'm just a girl boss who was taught martial arts. And right. for some reason I have like I have uh side blades and I will have a costume as well. Like they don't they don't establish it well at all. Um and like the electro scene in this film is like the antithesis of the character. Uh it just does not work well 
at all. Uh, Elodie Young does yeah. a great job in the TV show. Like that is like spot on. Um, but for here, it's like there's no there's no edge to her. Like she's meant to be like a a sophisticated like high class like kind of like assassin um, who you know tries to seduce Matt to basically be like, hey, come on, do a little bit of killing. God, are you sure you don't want a little <laughs> you want a little kill as a treat? Come on, it's on me. Um, it's a little murder here, for you. Yeah. Exactly. Whereas here, she's just like just i'm i'm a i'm i'm in the coffee shop and now i i yeah now we're gonna have a little fight in the park we just met but we're gonna just like a normal people <laughs> that, that scene that, is cinema though that scene I, is cinema <laughs> i i thought i had more fun with it this time as like oh this is so cheesy in like a fun way but i was just like oof like i was like if it when matt murdoch like when Matt Affleck pulls that jacket off and then throws his cane in the air and stands up, closing, <laughs> catches it, I was like, "Oh my god!" Uh, and they fight on like seesaws, and, and the kids just... are like, "Yeah, kill each other!" Yeah, and then suddenly the kids come up like, "Fight, fight, fight!" I'm like, what is going on? I, I thought it's I'd find so it charming, but I was like, "Funny." It feels like it could be from a like. It feels like a scene lost from like Batman Forever or Batman and Robin. Like you could imagine, oh, yes. you could imagine if Joel Schumacher did like Batman Returns and it was Batman and Catwoman. This would be how we would have Batman and Catwoman meet. <laughs> that I could definitely see. And again, yeah, I'm saying this as someone who actually really likes Joel Schumacher and thinks his Batman movies are fun and entertaining. Um, but yeah, I could imagine him doing a similar thing where it's like, oh, we're gonna have like a little, a little dance, a little, a little fun time. <laughs> just a little, yeah. I, I that scene, I, I can't. I just can't do it. I tried, but because I can't, I can't take it seriously. I'm not supposed to take it seriously, but I can't even enjoy it. I think, but it, it does feel like Schumacher might do that. But, uh, but that seems insane. I'm trying to think. So, um, the I guess back to Bullseye really quick because that Colin Farrell performance, <laughs> Colin Farrell is oh, like, man. I don't know if it's like the best or worst thing I've ever seen. It could be in the middle. He's this, so it's over the, the bit. Top. It's the bit where. He, I th- is it after, is it, ah, I think it's, it's either after he kills Electra's dad, who is, um, he's the fellow from The Mummy. He plays the museum curator yes, in the first yeah, film. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's after he kills, he kills Electra or Electra's dad, but there's the bit where he goes, he's just there perched on the rooftop and he goes, yeah, bullseye. Eh, and then like, <laughs> the goes with this coat and like, spins his coat around and jumps off the roof. I'm like, <laughs> Oh man, it's so so funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, that kind of stuff where it's like, what are you doing, buddy? Like, I just feel like uh, Mark Stephen Johnson had no control over Colin Farrell, and Colin Farrell was like, I'm gonna do whatever I want. I think he's actually a really great actor in, all, in most everything. Oh, gotcha. no, we're all we're all old, we're all worse, but the same altar of Colin Farrell. Um, but it, again, this isn't bullseye either. It's just way too. Um, I'm trying to think of the right word. Like obviously, bullseye is unpredictable and wild um, mm-hmm. in the comics, um, but he's more he's more verbal in the comics as well. <laughs> Whereas uh-huh. here, all all he really does is go, "Oh, he made me miss. Oh, oh, I'm oh, gonna I'm get so that mad. rascally daredevil." <laughs> and then and then ah, bullseye. Yeah, that's all he does. It's like there's no. Um, there's no real window into him as a character. And it's just, yeah. Um, that, it's a shame. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, he's just such a, uh, like a ridiculous over the top, like cartoon character. It's like. Shuriken belt, bu- belt buckle though. <laughs> right. <laughs> he, that that's when, I, I, I kind of started saying this earlier, I kind of got off the topic, but the, the movie starts just 
flying at a certain point. It's almost like they're like, crap, we need to get all this stuff in because it's like Bullseye shows up, kills Electra's dad. Electra's trained now. She's in a costume. She's killed. Daredevil fights Bullseye. Then, oh, forget, Daredevil has to fight Kingpin, too, which feels so rushed. I forgot how... I'm like, look at the clock. I'm like, there's like 10 minutes left in this. How is he going to go and fight Kingpin and then wrap everything else? And they do it somehow, but it's it's much quicker. It's so not... It's so underdeveloped. Like, it's all just... It's like two movies worth of stuff crammed into one movie, and they mm-hmm. just rushed it, because it's like that stuff starts happening so fast at the end. Um... And that fight between Daredevil and Bullseye is uh, maybe <laughs> I feel negative on this one, but like the the CGI use in that is horrifically bad. It's it's that kind of and you know what Matrix Reloaded is also guilty of this from 2003 too. It's that very they were doing this thing where they're full body models that look super rubbery and yeah. fake, and they're doing that in Daredevil too, where they're like jumping up the giant church organ you can really feel the matrix influence on this film oh um, god but yeah. but there the choreo- <laughs> there is no choreography there to match it and like i remember it was weird because i'm going to a different scene here but the opening action scene where daredevil gate crashes the nickelback bar um <laughs> as they're all listening to is it play the hard way or something like that oh, i don't even um, know which, i know it's nickelback but i don't know which song <laughs> yeah like and he crashes the bar um, and I remember when I was younger thinking that was a really cool action sequence. It was a really fun bit. I, I still think uh, it's my favorite in the whole movie, honestly. And it, like, yeah. watching it, um, there is some good... There is the occasional nice um, fluid movement. Um, but by and large, like, it's so poorly orchestrated. Like, it's a bunch of dudes. Like, there are so many guns involved for starters. Like, you know, and they... The only reason Daredevil lives through that bit is because they're shooting around him and not at him. Like it's like <laughs> yes. that. That is like I know that's a really dumb pet peeve to have with action movies, but with here, there's no, there's no logical reason established in the scene for why they wouldn't be hitting him. Uh, and then they interrupt it with loads of really that really awful sonar effect, and then the audio oh, yeah. cutting in and out of like you know um, the like the rock music. So it's just kind of. Every time I think there's like the movie builds to a fun action sequence, um, it either does a really dumb thing or literally the legs get kicked from underneath it is what happens with the Kingpin fight where Michael Clark Duncan, who is far and away the strongest acting performance in this film. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. And I really like what he brought to the role of Kingpin here. Um, he, he gets nothing. He gets that one. There's a really good shot where he throws Daredevil into the ceiling. That's the one bit in this one that makes me, that makes me wince. Because I'm like, damn, that looks like it hurt. Um, yeah. And then after that, it's just that's just it. And then it ends. Uh, and yeah, like the surprising... The thing is, like, Daredevil obviously has always been like quite an action-oriented comic. But there's also plenty of good, soppy melodrama to balance it out. And the film attempts both, but fails at both. Uh, so yeah <laughs> yeah it's true yeah it uh it's not a great action movie i do think that first sequence is still my favorite one because it feels a little more uh like there's weight to that stuff than the other stuff later on is so cgi heavy and even i think more poorly choreographed and poorly edited because like the, there is like the bar fight is like there's good stuff and then they do something like really like herky-jerky editing and you're like oh shit okay they fucked it up and it's like it's like one good one it keeps on like good thing bad thing back and forth um <laughs> the yogurt just, is also cursed <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> i love a sequence when like the hero just like jumps into like a crowded 
like room full of bad guys and kicks their ass, even if it's like not that well done, like in Daredevil. But I do appreciate that. And I was thinking too, like, wait, if there's guns constantly fired, wouldn't that really fuck up his sonar? Because it, there's no consistency you would whatsoever. Think... It's it's really annoying. Um, I, noticed, I, I, then... I wish they did more with the cane because it's quite a cool gadget and prop that they invented for this one. I think it's a bit overly designed. Um, but by and large, you know, there is some cool stuff that they do with that weapon in the first scene where he's like, you know, yeah. making it into a staff, using the split function, using the the wire and stuff. Um, and then they kind of just forget about it and it doesn't really do that much afterwards. It's kind of annoying. <laughs> I wish they they kind of yeah, leaned into it a little bit more. Um yeah. Just yeah. <laughs> Not fun. <It's, laughs> I know there's a it's uh there's a lot of this movie's very disappointing in a lot of ways, honestly. <laughs> so and then, so after the bar sequence, so he he finds um, another guy. I think is named after is it Casada? Uh, so this is some... the thing because like yeah, so like it's, it's his last name is Casada, who obviously we all know is is Joe Casada is like one of like a big Marvel artist as well. He did the art for Daredevil: Guardian Devil, which this film takes visual cues from in two respects. First, the bit where Daredevil is clutched onto the cross, I believe that is from Guardian Devil, which for my money's worth isn't a great comic book. I know people really like it. I'm not really a big fan, and that's also why you get Kevin Smith there as well. Um, oh, but yeah, know. again, another weird case because like, his last name is Casada, which feels like an awful coincidence because he's basically he he is a rapist that gets off scot free and then is brutally murdered <laughs> yeah. by Daredevil. With I'd be the like, train. thanks guys, thanks for naming me after that character. Uh, it's like you know, it's a kind of really deranged. It's, like it's yeah. so weird. Because <laughs> I was thinking, like with those names, I was like, oh, that was really fun in season three because that was like you know, comic book movies at this point, definitely not over, I would not say oversaturated. And like that self felt more like you had to be in the know, like, Oh, I, I know Casada, I know Ramita. Like, cause at then, at that point, I was like, I know who those guys are. You like took a little pride in this, like a cater comic books. I'm like, Oh, I get all yeah. the references. And now it's a little, probably too winky winky. Cause it's, you know, we've been through so many years of comic book movies, but, but that whole scene when Daredevil goes to get him in the subway and then it's still so ludicrous to me when after it's over, Joe Pantoliano comes in all police and he's like, finds he knows daredevil's left like his symbol in the ground and he lights like, it up why would he do, why what? would he why would he make it the two d's like i like the two d's as a symbol i think they look cool yeah. on the costume they look great there's a whole kind of symmetry to them that i think is cool <laughs> why would he not just leave it if he's gonna if daredevil has to leave a symbol which he really doesn't have to if he's gonna leave a symbol why would it not be a devil why would he leave two d's who's gonna look down and go oh wow he's really into lingerie Dungeons and dragons or Dungeons and dragons <laughs> like he's really into duh, duh. like there's no it's, it's, it's oh. yeah i love the idea yeah. of like someone a hero having to take the time to do that like actually if we had to show the scene where he's like okay and now i put my symbol on the ground and put it's just so it's so ludicrous even if it like looks cool but um yeah joe piano knows where it, he's like i know throws a match or a thing on it like boom there you go um Joe Pantoliano, I think it's a little more in the director's cut, but I still think he's underused because I do think he's good really? as Ben Yurick, but I do think he's just like you get Joey Pants, you got to use him a little more than that. But I guess it's again a role that's like underwritten and you know, they only have so much time, I guess, with so they're rushing through everything. But I do like him. I agree, Marco Michael Duncan is like by far the best performance in this movie. Like I remember even when I first saw this, I'm like, he's I would love him as Kingpin and other get him in the Spider-Man movies, get him in other things like i thought he was great um as soon as he like they they knew what they had when they announced him to lap dance by nerd like this is the thing <laughs> with this movie right for as much as i've been ragging on it 
it subsists entirely in my brain on vibes alone. And granted, not all the vibes are good. Yeah. Um, but it's like every every single negative opinion I have on it, I can just counterbalance it with they introduced the kingpin to lap dance by nerd and like Michael Clark Duncan is just there smoking the biggest stogie, looking out <laughs> onto his 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 blue empire um and having a great time like that's that's great and the bit at the end where he's like i'm from the bronx mostly you don't understand like i just i love all all of that kind of like that dynamic of like okay we're gonna make it so that kingpin came from you know like a, a street thug background and rose his way off the top and like we're gonna kind of take it from that angle um i think he does a great job and that, that great they had that meeting that he has with with foggy and matt at the uh the the, the kind of the event the, the gala oh, yeah that's a great moment as well. The reason why it doesn't land in the theatrical cut, it might be different than the director's cut, it's been so long since I've seen it, um, is because there's no prior tension between Matt and the Kingpin um, that they show in the movie, at least. But I still like that moment where, you know, he's like, oh, we don't represent people who are innocent. And Foggy, who's there, like, we need clients. It's like, have what? And then and then <laughs> Kingpin's just there, just like, ha, 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 ha. This, no one's innocent. Uh, like, that's yeah, great. I, I don't think they have any prior meeting before that. So, like, it's... Just... yeah. They don't. Do, they do such a bad job of building up. Like in the theatrical cut, yeah. the only bit they have before that is they they show one bit where a thug is either mugging someone or beating protection money out of them in Hell's Kitchen. It's the only bit where Daredevil actually implies ownership over Hell's Kitchen. in The movie, he's like, "Stay out of Hell's Kitchen." Mm-hmm. Um, and then the guy he chases the guy into the apartment block or whatever, and then terrifies the child. And that's where you get the more of the seeds that the movie does a really terrible job of showing, which is like, oh, I'm not the bad guy. I'm not the bad guy. Um, but yeah, they don't, they don't, they don't sell the rivalry at all. They no. don't, they don't <laughs> sell Kingpin enough. They, they, they want they, the only way that they, you know Kingpin is a big bad guy in this is like, oh, he. He he's gonna drop a rose on on Electra's dad, and like he's <laughs> he's he gets announced by lap dance by nerd, and there's nothing there to show that he is some kind of elaborate criminal mastermind operating this ridiculously extensive criminal network. Yeah. There's no I, I was, fear. No, I I was thinking that watching this too. I was like, wow. We everyone complains now about the MC movies. You need all this background information. You got to watch this. That I was watching Daredevil, thinking like. I think you just have to know a lot about comics to get to fill in your own gaps. Like you've got to know about bullseye and what Kingpin does and how big a villain he is in New York city. And cause I was like filling these gaps myself. I'm like, well, I just know this stuff because I read comics and knew of it, but I'm like, I, the Catholic thing is not well established either. It's like, they just like one day he just goes to the church. It's like, I guess he's Catholic. You know, it's not like they don't, I don't think they set that up in the, in the uh, intro when he's a kid. I just know that's a big thing about Daryl's character is he has like all the Catholic guilt and it's a big part of his thing. But like, yeah, I was like, I'm doing a lot of the heavy lifting of this movie as a comic book fan. It's kind of just letting me fill in gaps here. You know, it's, it's, so it's kind of, it's bad at that too, honestly. Yeah. I mean, that's another good point because you mentioned here, like, you know, it's it's like a Cliff Notes Daredevil movie. They're trying to stuff in so much. And then the thing that I forgot to mention is that they're trying to do the whole law and order side of things and also the religious side of things. But again, it, there's not enough time dedicated for both. Obviously, the law and order stuff comes more into the director's cut, mm-hmm. um, which crystallizes more, you know, it does a better job of conveying the essence of the character. Um, but it's still, you know, it falls short in a great many ways um yes but again many many ways (laughs) it's one of those that is rare that i'll have a bad movie that i'm like i can still have a lot of fun watching this because it's so it is is camp cinema at this point daredevil 2003 um yeah (laughs) so i can 
I can I can get behind like its evanescence vibes. It's just uh, <laughs> as a Daredevil movie, it should be better because Daredevil is Marvel's like most in terms of like comic book runs. Like no other character in Marvel's history has as many legendary runs as Daredevil. Like obviously, Spider Man has the Lee uh, Lee Ditko, Ramita, Jerry Conway, you know stuff from the sixties and seventies. With Daredevil, you have like you have Frank Miller, you have Bendis, you have Brew Baker, you have Annie Nisenti, um, you have more recently Chip Zdarsky stuff. Like he's he's a prestigious character, um, and all of this kind of reduces it to just schlock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's like they went read a bunch of the different Daredevil comics and were like, we don't know what to pick, so we're just going to try to throw a bunch of stuff in this movie. And uh, it's funny because even as a kid, I wasn't even reading Daredevil, but I would hear about like people would talk about these daredevil runs and these like uh series like it was kind of legendary even then like he had so many different stories that were written for him it's just easier to write for these kind of characters like uh like i mean batman has plenty of great uh runs oh, too yeah. like a character where it's like a street level person who is not uh you know invulnerable <laughs> you know it's like someone that can be hurt balancing their life i think is always very interesting like and that's a lot of marvel stuff is trying to balance the normal life and the superhero life because yeah matt murdoch's life i feel like they just make it look it sucks like they just make it look like and the the show did that too i think they always do a good job but like this is not a fun or easy life like you said like peter parker almost like gets off easy compared to daredevil yeah. you know because the whole um, thing is like even matt's civilian side it's dedicated to, to law and order and justice like he doesn't really rest like most of the marvel kind of heroes with like dual identities right. like he is constantly immersed in the shit and doing everything he can to fight for people. Um, so he's just permanently knackered. He just needs a little nap. He needs a vacation, which is why Electra comes along and is like, hey, you want to come around? You know, just come around. We'll have a little holiday. Maybe a little bit, maybe get you to kill. Maybe, you know, <laughs> maybe, just a little, a little, a little murder. You know, <laughs> I've got an extra sigh in the boot if you want to, you know, just, just saying. Oh, God. Yeah. I got to go back and read some of those um, terrible runs. And I do think, yeah, I think I read Born Again. That may be like the only big uh, run I've read, but. If yeah, if you're gonna yeah. read any, like, please read the Bendis stuff. Okay. Um, like the there's, I don't have them with me here, and I was looking behind me to see. I think there's there should be Daredevil Bendis Ultimate Collection. It comes in three volumes, uh, trade paperback. It should hopefully have not gone out of print. It might have done now. Um, oh, okay. but those like that that that's the whole one where Daredevil gets his identity exposed and he has to like reckon with people knowing that Daredevil and Matt Murdock are the same person and it's like so good. They, it's funny because I feel like every story I've seen somebody figures it out. Like I've seen like the show and like and I'm like I guess it wouldn't be that hard to put together if you if you found out Daredevil was blind then you go well, how many blind guys do I know in Matt Murdock? <laughs> it's like they kind of look the same build and you know. Uh, it's just um the poor guy has it rough. They sleep in that he has a sleep in that uh sleep that sensory deprivation, deprivation tank. tank. Yeah. And, uh, uh there is a good moment in the movie. I'm not sure if it's in the theatrical crowd and all the directors, where he's just had a long night of fighting crime and he's getting into the tank, and I think he hears a woman who's crying for help. Like, cause he, you know, he, he also, and like, he just, I think he just gets in the tank cause he's I like, I don't think that's in the theatrical. Okay. That's yeah. Really, that's like a, a really good moment like, though. Yeah. Like, it ends for him. And he's like having this, I, he doesn't say anything. He just kind of is looking like, 
oh my God, I just got out of the suit. I've got in my tank. I'm, it's like, I'm so tired. And I think he just has to like, let it go and just gets in the yeah. tank. And you don't get have... that in the theatrical cut. What you do get is that stupid scene where it's like the checkbook, comic book, action movie scene of like, I'm going to go in this room and flip over the tables and throw all the stuff everywhere because I'm mad and angry. I'm like, <laughs> come on. My come life on, sucks. Man. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> God, I think it's funny. Um, John Favreau in this is like playing just a slightly different version of Happy that he'll do in Iron Man. Like he's a little more of a dick, I guess, but he's not like you know. He's just, but he he always kind of plays the same guy, but he's good at it. Where he's kind of like has the sarcastic comments or like fills in the has to say a joke, like you know, like somebody comes in, Lecture comes in, he's like, "How she looks?" Like, "Oh, you, she's hideous. You won't want to see her." You know, <laughs> so he just kind of has those little comments. Um, also, I'm glad that they did this because I was watching that scene where him and uh foggy and matt murder are sitting like the diner before electric comes in and foggy gives him mustard to put in his uh coffee and i was like this man has heightened senses he should know he should smell mustard out of this and then i he switches the cup so he does know i thought they had messed up again and like kind of forgot yeah. how the range of his powers i was like the man's gonna <laughs> smell mustard going into his coffee this saying um trying to think what else yeah the the bullseye daryl fight's pretty bad because it's so cgi heavy and it's like and the kingpin fight's too short and it's like they do the trope i don't like when they they the movie starts and it shows you something that happens way later in the movie and then it's probably like you probably wondering how i got here basically <laughs> and it's like i gotta go back to the start of my whole life um although i like that image is amazing the image is great of him bleeding hanging onto that cross yes like, that's that probably far the best. away the most visually compelling element of the movie yeah <laughs> like i don't know how mark Stephen johnson put that together but he's like i got one good shot at me and then, and then i mean the the backstory is good you have to go in the backstory people that don't know um and it's pretty well done the stuff with him his dad like i was like this is good that is, that is a good i honestly think that is if we're talking about what the as a, as a story being told i think the flashback elements are though that's the best part of the movie I think yeah. that entire. I really like um, David Keith as, uh, as oh yeah as as Matt's father as well, and they do a great. They they do a really good. And again, this is why I think of Daredevil as a Wikipedia movie because it is so synoptic in approach. Um, mm. I think that is a pretty good. I think on its own as a little five ten minute introductory sequence, it's not the worst thing ever. It's actually pretty good, and I like how it's stylized. I think there's some really good imagery. In, in and amongst it all. Um, weirdly, the more I think about it, the more I feel like Steven Johnson just pulled so weirdly from like the 90s. Like we brought up Schumacher before. It feels like aspects of this are taken from Batman Forever um, and Batman and Robin. Like you have the whole layer where he's got the same versions of the costume like hanging up and it has like the suiting up moment where he's like oh. taking them off and like hanging them back up and stuff. <laughs> uh -huh. And then like um, the whole losing his father thing and then like uh, leaving something as dramatic as like a rose on it as like, like the calling card. And, like, it just feels like it's it's even like even though Dead Level 2003 is so dial like if you had to guess what year it came out you would say 2003 right there might as well be a neon sign flash yeah this came out in 2003 <laughs> like... but it's like i can also feel the 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 influence of those 90s batman movies and we were like oh we've got to tie it back to we've got to make the archville and the guy who killed his his dad you know we've got to tie it all back in there and then we've got to have those like you know yeah it, it feels weirdly like it's it's almost got more in common with with Schumacher's Batman movies than yeah. the Marvel movies <laughs> of that era. And again, yeah. 
I love yeah. me some Joel Schumacher. I actually think those films are entertaining. But Joel Schumacher's Batman movies are better than Daredevil 2003. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, I've, I've really warmed up to those. Uh, yeah. Like, I always liked Batman Forever, but even as a kid, I really hated yes. Batman and Robin because I thought it just, mm. you know, just killed me. I remember I told this story before, but like I walked out of the theater to go to the bathroom and came back and looked up at the marquee for Batman and Robin. I was like, I don't think I want to go back into this movie, but I had no <laughs> choice. Everybody was still in there. Um, but now it looks so good visually. I just, I think some of the stuff that's worked with that is like, again, performances being like too over the top for me and like the story being kind of a mess all over the place. Like, and I think Clooney's a bad Batman. I don't think he's a bad Bruce Wayne. I've said he's that. He's a very good Bruce Wayne. Yeah. I think the stuff with him and Alfred, the emotional stuff of that movie works actually pretty well, but I just think he's a terrible Batman because he makes no change when he's Batman. <laughs> he's just like, hey, I'm still Batman. It's like, you got to try a little bit. Like, I'm a little, I don't want the Christian Bale like growling. I find a middle ground. Like, uh, you know, no one will do it better than Kevin Conroy, but it just as the voice for the voice. I feel I like I think he... just everyone involved in that movie was so blatant, aware of the fact they're in a toy commercial. And that's what Joel <laughs> Schumacher would say before. He's yeah. like, I remember people were in a, we're in a, we're in a toy, toy commercial, commercial yeah. whatever. So, like, I feel like with that direction in mind, where can you go but a sort of soft retread of Adam West Batman, but without <laughs> the kind of like, you know, more obvious shifts or whatever. So it's, yeah, it's a yeah. I, I, it, like, I, I don't like those movies for what they are. Even as a kid, because I love the Batman animated series. I remember thinking at the yeah. time, even I was like, oh my God, the cartoon show is darker than this movie. Like, I just couldn't wrap my head around that as a kid. I was like, how does the cartoon show feel more mature and dark than this live action movie? It was very jarring. But now I appreciate it because it's like so different and unique and like looks so good and like uh, compared to like anything else that came after it, honestly. But yeah, Daredevil does have a little bit of that because it's not afraid to be corny and kind of silly with like the park fight is like, you know, funny in a way, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't love it, but, uh, and I think I, so to be positive, cause I think we're going to wrap up soon, but, um, mm -hmm. that I was watching again and I think we're talking about, it, I sound like I'm way more negative. I find it weirdly very watchable. Cause I think I saw it more than I realized. Um, and there's something that's so 2003 that I think I'm just so nostalgic for that time <laughs> that I, that oh, I, yeah. That just a soundtrack. I mean, my God, two Evanescent songs. Come on, like it's like two on the soundtrack. Um, that I just can't help but kind of enjoy the two two thousand three ness of it all. And uh, yeah, I almost I need to go back and watch the actual cut now because I was watching this one going like, this is nice. Has more time to breathe, and they're kind of getting to do a little more and a little more mature and dark. But I almost wanted to just give me the version that's like thirty minutes shorter and just make it even snappier because I. I don't know, like, it's still not great. It just is, it's trying to do too much. It's kind of a mess. Needs a better director. Um, it needs a lot of things. I know, you know, it's like this whole thing we didn't talk about, like Ben Affleck is Daredevil. What do you think of him as Daredevil? <laughs> it's weird. I honestly, I don't think he does a bad job. I don't think he is yeah. bad in that role. Um, I just think that for me, Daredevil needs to be like, I kind of like that extra maturity to him. Like, I think like... He, how old was he when this when this came out? So he was nineteen seventy three. So he'd have been thirty one when he came when this came out. Yeah. Um. I'm just trying to check what Charlie Cox was when he did uh, the. So he was nineteen eighty two. So that's So Charlie Cox was a little like only a few years older than us. So I don't think age is necessarily the issue here. I just think Ben Affleck is too boyish in his mm -hmm. kind of looks to be daredevil for me like even though i think it makes sense to cast someone in their early 30s to be daredevil 
because I think Charlie Cox did such a fantastic job in that role. Um, he's he's just still too boyish in this point in his career to be Daredevil for me. Um, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't really he doesn't really get the gravity of the role. I don't think like it's uh, obviously he's a big comic book nerd, so he's you know he's he's been burdened by the fact that like. He knows so much about these characters and has been stuck in, in, in my personal opinion, interpretations that didn't really do them justice. Mm-hmm. Um, so that must be honestly frustrating for him. I don't think he's bad. Like, he's very watchable in the role. And I think given with what he's given to do, he's fine. Um, I wouldn't necessarily replace him, but I definitely think there would have been better choices out there for that part. Yeah. I that's I, very similar to what I was thinking I just wanted your take on it because I was like watching this I'm going like well I don't think Affleck's a problem he got a lot of heat for this I felt like he they were like he's bad in a bad movie and I don't think he's really the problem like I, you could replace him and I it could be a better movie I don't know I don't know who I'd pick in 2003 to be Daredevil but like him and Jennifer Garner I was like both of you can do this I think you just need to be in a different Daredevil movie like um yeah, I mean, Electra actually serves her worst, shockingly. I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, this is, she does better off in the Daredevil movie than there's Electra. No, there's no way that she could have saved that role. Like, she she is doing the best she can, but it's just not Electra. Like, that's yeah. the, she, she, she's just there as a love interest who gets killed. You know, it's the whole classic woman in refrigerators trope. It does it so badly here. Right, right. Um, <laughs> like, Electra is like, as much as like there are obvious criticisms with a comic book depiction um you know at least it's more interesting at least there is more grit to the to, to, to the character whereas here it's just like i'm i'm sad but i can kick your ass yeah <laughs> that's that's really the length of what they go to with it right right i mean yeah so it's you know it's a movie with a lot of problems that i think i could still throw on every few years and be like oh that data movie's not that bad and then be like oh it has this problem and this problem <laughs> i think i want to be better i don't know it's uh it's something the cgi is not going to get any better though that's that's that was rough <laughs> that was brutal i and also one last thing i'll wrap up too but like the the thing that really bothered me is like and i should just let it's superhero movie comic movie the way they have him leap from building oh no to, it's totally <laughs> it's just it's so video so video yeah. gamey he's a guy he's not like he doesn't have <laughs> he's a fucking they, guy <laughs> he's just a fucking guy they have i mean they try to give the whole sounds like a real bullshit excuse where they're like my sense of touch was so heightened i was great at gymnastics i'm like well that what uh you know like i guess okay and then but to have him leap at, and near the end i think he's going from the church to fight kingpin and he jumps like across a city street the whole and i'm like that's not possible and there's a funny thing where he like gets out of the tank and his knees crack and i was like well maybe your knees wouldn't crack if you weren't jumping from building to building like so uh, dumb he needs so, to meet stilt man uh, and get his stilts that's what he needs it's so ridiculous i'm like this is i can't buy this i can give a lot of like room to you know it's a comp- but i'm like he shouldn't be like have some sense of what he can do in his powers like daredevil's not jumping whole buildings across a street like he can jump from like a building right next to each other sure but like not from across the block i just it really irked me and then he's like oh my knees hurt i'm like well because you're just like jumping down because you're like, he... you're jumping like you're the hulk mate that's why <laughs> that's why he jumps straight down a building at one point uh he just leaps off and then hits like a window washer like thing and does i'm like well that's good good those were there and there's just stuff like that where it's so silly from just so ridiculous but um you know i i don't know this movie's just it's it's a mess i'm i i love the tv show i'm very curious what they're gonna do if they go back to daredevil on the big screen i know there's a daredevil show coming out on disney plus yeah i i'm not looking forward to that thing at <laughs> so all 
I, I um, was looking forward to it until the recent string of Disney Plus shows have been kind of bad. So well, that and the fact that they're not bringing back Foggy or Karen, which is just the stupidest oh, yeah. thing for me. And I don't it feels understand. Already to me, like they're aiming for a lighter touch. And again, you can totally have that lighter, more swashbuckling Daredevil interpretation, like Mark Wade and Chris Samney did it really well. Um, obviously, the original comics were more lighthearted too. Um, but you can't, you can't just go from what they achieved with the show on Netflix with Karen and Foggy and the chemistry that um, Charlie Cox, Deborah Ann Wall and Eldon Henson had as those characters and then just be like, okay, we don't need them. We have Daredevil back. Like that is such a, such a big mistake. And like watching Daredevil on, on She-Hulk, cause I didn't watch that show, but I watched it just for Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually like the yellow suit they've given him. I think it's pretty fun. Um, but I already know that the way they positioned him in that show. And again, by the way, cowards for not actually having him fuck She-Hulk as She-Hulk. There's the whole thing, <laughs> oh, Daredevil and She-Hulk get down. And this week She-Hulk, I'm like, no, he gets down with, with Jet. He doesn't get down with She-Hulk. You know, um, but like the actual, uh, I can already tell from what they've done with that show, they've established it to be like, and here's Daredevil and his new wacky adventure in the city of New York. What antics is Matt Murdock going to get up to in his law firm this week? <laughs> and mm. that's, I want, I want a bit of sadness with my Daredevil. He's a yeah, little sad yeah. boy. That's what I want from him. He's emo. He's evanescence. Bring me <laughs> to life. Bring him to life indeed. They, uh, Yeah, that show was so got so dark sometimes and so which i appreciated i was like wow this show really goes hard it goes for it uh so i'm very sad uh falky and uh karen went back either i think that's a huge mistake not bringing those characters back and those actors playing those characters because they were really good as those characters so i don't know yeah i'm a little worried about it too now um that whole thing <laughs> but um anything else you want to say about daredevil before we wrap up no or? no i mean I, I totally agree with everything that you say i think it's one of those <laughs> where like there are so many issues with it but weirdly it's kind of like a milestone in my comic book journey and my daredevil journey. Um, back when YouTube was <laughs> back in the days where people would just make videos, uh, I guess you'd call them, I only know them as AMVs, like anime music videos, oh, but like yeah. um, uh-huh. people used to do comic book <laughs> versions as well. You'd type it on YouTube, daredevil tribute, and someone would just take a bunch of JPEGs, low quality, stitch it together in a video and have Evanescence's Bring Me to Life playing over it. So even though this movie serves the character of Daredevil very badly, I kind of think that the culture of Daredevil, I don't even know what, if that's the right word, the, the, <laughs> the, the mythology of Daredevil is richer for it existing. It's kind of this really funny camp blotch on the tapestry, but you don't want that blotch to go away anyway, because like even though it's got so many issues, um, it's kind of hilarious just how dated it is. And it's not like, it's never, it never goes to like so bad it's good territory for me. Right, um, right. But like, it's something that I can watch and laugh at and have a funny time with and still acknowledge, wow, they got so much wrong. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. I watch it and I'm like, I think I just keep watching it wanting to be a better Daredevil movie and it's not going to be better. I don't know. But, and there's and, and get things that I like and then things I absolutely dislike so it's that mixed bag of like this is good oh that's bad this is good and back and forth and just kind of like oh so you know it holds it holds a special place in a superhero cinema (laughs) yeah it does it's uh that that soundtrack is great it's not as good as the spider-man 2 soundtrack though which i think is the best soundtrack of all the best superhero soundtrack i will i will 
not fight you too hard on that, but I will say another great superhero soundtrack is the Punisher from 2004. Oh, was, yeah. It's yeah. one of my favorite. I love almost every song on that uh, out minus like the Nickelback song. And there's like a song by a band called Damage Plan. I don't really like, uh, but there's another, there's let, more. I think I'll let it's... Nickelback into your heart, man. You just <laughs> got to yeah. accept it. Everyone's like, oh, I hate Nickelback, but you'll still sing Photograph out loud and have a great time. <laughs> just had this let them into my your girl, heart. My girlfriend, we were at a, we were at a concert and there was a sign for an upcoming Nickelback show. And she's like, does everyone still hate Nickelback? I'm like, I think so. She's like, do you think people really hate Nickelback? Or they just all got on board the the bandwagon of hating Nickelback? And I'm like, it's I think everyone. <laughs> and uh, right. I think if you put on Rockstar or Hero for Chad Kroger. I do love Hero. Club, That's a great song. <laughs> everyone's going to be singing. Everyone's going to be singing. And this is how you remind me. Because like, again, it's kind of like Nickelback is Daredevil 2003. Daredevil 2003 is Nickelback. There's so much <laughs> wrong with it. But it's fun to experience <laughs> wow that's very well put very well put <laughs> i will say no i don't think there's any evanescence on the punisher 04 soundtrack but there is a song with amy lee from ms it's called broken ah. which i love that song. it's a really real power ballad uh but there's a lot of yeah i mean there was some some record label called wind up that was like handling i think all the marvel superhero so it was a lot of the same bands popping up and they were weirdly were like kind of quasi christian record label but they were yes like... yeah no um oh god what's what's um what's the band's name oh she's in um she she was on the spider-man 2 soundtrack as well oh god this is gonna flyleaf <laughs> flyleaf that's it oh yeah flyleaf, flyleaf. yeah yeah yeah, yeah they were like yeah, one yeah, of those yeah. bands that was like we're kind of a christian band we're not gonna say it like there was a lot of those bands around the same time where it's like we're Christian, but we're not like making a huge deal. <laughs> it was very yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then it's just how it's funny that a Christian kind of Christian label with like some hard rock bands, like fronted like a Punisher, a, a hard R Punisher soundtrack. Cause like yeah. that movie has problems too, but I still really like it. But soundtracks, this was all speaking to me directly this time. This is all stuff that I love. So um, this is good stuff. Uh, but yeah, I, we talked about Daredevil even longer than I thought we would. Cause I was watching it. Like, I don't know what to say. This was great too, that you love the character so much and knew so much because i don't think i even knew that when like i pitched that i can't remember <laughs> this is why like... i wanted to do it with you because okay. it was like it's kind of it's a fun one because like i superheroes like on my superhero journey i'm kind of sunsetting a great many aspects of it but there are still things that i will always come out to have a a say on uh and daredevil <laughs> is one of those boys like daredevil hellboy um like classic like batman those those are the big ones but yeah 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 <laughs> good stuff well thank you so much for doing this this was just a lot of fun talking to you about this movie that, that we both kind of like that's <laughs> pretty good yeah uh, and all this stuff so uh can't help, uh, tell people where they can follow you the podcast all that good stuff if you want so yeah absolutely yeah so i'm not really on twitter that much i'm kind of making it a big laptop thing so i'm not posting and scrolling as much but you can find me on there at you and ruins things you can also find the wheel of dad movies podcast uh, at Wheeler Dabby News, we're on basically every podcasting platform. There's also a Patreon if you want to go check it out. Although I'm really bad and haven't written for it in a long time, which is ridiculous because I need to get some more writing on there. Um, but yeah, that's that's basically it. And you can also find me on, on the different world culture channels where I'm just goofing around. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that, about, that about comes it. Thank you so much for having me on. I hope, I hope you'll bring me back on to talk about a good movie. <laughs> We will. We will at some point. I uh, I mentioned this on a, the RoboCop episode at the very end, and I'm not sure if anybody else or it was the very end. People I heard it. I am taking like a 
pretty lengthy hiatus i think from the show after the mm -hmm. next couple ones because i just need a break and i feel like yeah. i'm a little burned out but um at some point yes i'll bring you back for a good movie <laughs> like when you when you're back put the signal out we ride <laughs> <laughs> talk about something good like the untouchables or you know something like <laughs> a freaking movie maybe like something uh something really really quality stuff um but yeah no i uh it is fun to talk about these movies they're kind of a mess though i feel like there's almost more <laughs> So when I talk about Stone Cold Classics, I'm almost like, we all know it's great. What is there to say? Oh, yeah. but with these it's kind good. of movies, yeah, I'm it's like, good. It's, yeah, it's good. It's all really good. These kind of things, I'm like, there's a lot of mess going on. So, uh, but yeah, thank you again for doing this. Um, for our stuff, you could follow me on uh, Twitter at Maple87, uh, the podcast at Film Feast Pod. You could follow me and the podcast uh, on Instagram, Film Feast, all one word. Um, and that's it for this time. We will see you next time. Bye, everybody.